0: This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask... How do I grow this thing? On Start at Renegades, we'll explore how they did it and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Today on the podcast, I'm welcoming Sina Sedzara. He is the host of a leading UK entrepreneurship podcast called The Millennial Entrepreneur, which focuses on the journeys of young entrepreneurs. It has featured the likes of Forbes 30 Under 30 winners, TEDx speakers, and Dragon's Den entrepreneurs. That's the equivalent of the U.S. Shark Tank, just so you know. He's the co-founder of Wing, a startup with the aim to bring in-person networking into the 21st century with their contactless business card, which has received orders from across the globe. I don't know about you, but I am all for bringing networking into the 21st century. And Sina shares his really amazing business journey with us. He launched this business in the middle of the pandemic, which is crazy because in-person networking was essentially dead for the past year or so. But he's had some really important breakthroughs that have come from that entire experience, whether it be from how to acquire customers, where to acquire customers, or the best way to do your market research so there's so much in here that you're absolutely going to love let's go ahead and i'll let Sina tell you his story let's listen in hey Cena, welcome to the show
1: hey Shauna really good to be here thanks for having me
0: i am so excited to have you here you are a pretty accomplished entrepreneur Were you always an entrepreneur? You're the host of the Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast. Did you start a business like right out of college?
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of started in university or or college. Like I started this one business at university focusing around food waste. So we work with businesses to redirect their surplus food. So like unsold sandwiches or whatever to local charities and we would charge you kind of like fee per pickup and we would feed them back like uh, some data or like tax stuff. That business couldn't scale just because like it was very difficult to offer those businesses benefits just because of how the UK tax system set up. And, and I was also just going to ask businesses. you that.
0: Like yeah, why exactly. can't it scale because of the tax system?
1: Yeah, like the UK doesn't give tax benefits to businesses that want to donate food, so it's like a—it's very difficult for us to kind of offer them financial benefits for donating food. Like it's a—it's actually a financial disincentive for them to donate food. That's a whole. This is a whole another topic. Like, yeah, (laughs) I tried so hard to kind of push this. We even talked to like the tax body in the UK, the government, and and all that stuff, quite high up to see if like we could get the law changed and everything. Like. I even worked with Harvard University because they're doing this big report on the UK, like food waste, like scene. And yeah, it was a big sort of ordeal before I decided that it was probably too much effort. So that business, we raised like £12,000 of funding. Hold
0: on for a sec, because you said something really, really important here that I want to draw attention to is that when you have a really amazing business idea like you did and it's not working... You want to get to the core of why it's not working and then figure out if it's worth moving forward with it or not. And in Mm. some cases, you have to be able to detach yourself and say, "Okay, you know, I can't make this profitable. We have to move on to the next thing. And that takes a whole different kind of strength as an entrepreneur to make that decision.
1: Mm. No, I completely agree. And it was a really tough decision, especially because it was my first business that was like actually getting a lot of traction. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we raised £12,000 funding, as I said, from O2, which is like a very big, like mobile phone brand in the UK. So they were they were very invested in it. And, then obviously, and also my university gave me some funding as well to do it. And we had a few cafes and bakeries, you know, signed up to us. And we were talking with, this is a name you'll probably recognize, we were talking with Pret, pret in, in my city of Bristol. Mm -hmm. you do recognize that name right it's also in the u.s i've been to the u.s they have prepped right (laughs) (laughs) that exists so yeah we were talking with them and they were fairly interested as well but it was very difficult to go into those conversations because they would say kind of yeah we want to donate food obviously we want to like help people in need and stuff like that but like we're a cafe we're a small independent chain like we don't have the resource to pay you to be able to donate it like it's it's more cost effective for us to actually throw it away which is really annoying because they want to work with us we want to work with them but it's just the, the fact of like our business model wasn't really geared up to, to help them so we tried so many different ways like i went to them and said if we could feed you back this all this data so if, if we could you know say you know or you could feed back customer data to you and all of this stuff and they were like yeah it would be fairly useful but we kind of already do that already fairly well and the tax benefits thing was probably the thing that was most scalable if it did happen because I spoke to so many different businesses and they were like, if we could, if there's a list, even a small financial benefit, or if we could, there's not a financial disincentive to donate to donate food, we would do it in a heartbeat. And then we would obviously be that party that kind of feeds back all that information to them to make it easy as possible to reap that tax benefit. So that made so much sense. And there's actually a company in the U.S. in Silicon Valley that does this very, very successfully because the mm-hmm. U.S. tax system has that benefit. So I saw, you know, that was a proven, proven business model that works in the U.S. And if we could take that to the U.K., then that would be perfect. And I spoke to loads of different businesses across Bristol and London. And these are big businesses, right? They have a lot right. of cafe chains. And I took all these kind of signatures and feedback that they gave me, all the data that they gave me as well from their own store.
0: Wow. It's unfortunate that it couldn't work in the UK yeah. for sure. It's nice to know that we're doing things a little bit different in the US, mm. but you realized this business model was not profitable. So what yeah, was the next yeah. thing that you did?
1: You know, I tried so hard to make it profitable and scalable, but there was a point where nothing was really happening. The only way we could be scalable was if the law, if the you know the tax law changes and that takes loads of money, loads of kind of lobbying. You have to be in the right room with the right people at the right time. Like it's a lot of hard work. So I decided that it's probably not a job for me. It's probably a job for a politician. I did speak to a few politicians, actually, but it didn't. It takes a lot of time. So I thought, I'll leave that one and go on to something else. So I spent, I guess, the next, this was maybe a year and a half ago. So I spent the next few months kind of like thinking about different things. In the meantime, I started a podcast, The Millennial Entrepreneur that you mentioned before. So I interview young founders, episode 17, At Now. You know, founders such as like Forbes thirty under thirty founders, TEDx speakers and the youngest ever person that got investment on Dragon's Den, which is like our equivalent of, of Shark Tank. So we've had some pretty cool people. These sort of people definitely inspired me to kind of think more entrepreneurial because I guess while I was at university and starting that business I felt very isolated. It wasn't a very entrepreneurial space, I guess. Well, it was, but obviously we had to study as well at the same time, right? <laughs> so This kind of being around all these different people really inspired me to think more entrepreneurial, I would say. And I guess like one thing during that time was that because it was COVID and lockdown, I saw so much kind of innovation within online networking. So there were platforms like Hopin that pretty much like in a few months became a billion dollar company.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of my clients using that for different things. It it built up very fast.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how it snowballed. And that entrepreneur, I've read his story. He's quite young as well. Maybe I should get him on the podcast, actually. You know, he's ready to give up on the idea until COVID hit. And it literally turned into a billion-dollar company within a few months. It's phenomenal. And that was just one platform, right? Like so many different platforms out there were focusing on making online networking better for businesses, for individuals, for networkers, for, for podcasters, right? This The Zencaster came out of lockdown as well. I don't know if you knew that. So yeah, all these different businesses kind of came out and I thought this is really impressive, but there's been like no innovation within in-person networking. I know we're not doing any in-person networking now, but everyone's kind of frustrated. People want to do that. Like most people I speak to, maybe like 90%, they can't wait to speak to people in real life. I can't wait to start interviewing people on my podcast in real life. It's, It's a different sort of atmosphere. It's a different vibe. I love online networking for sure, but I think in-person definitely solves a different need. But in-person networking hadn't been kind of innovated at all. So you're still kind of lumped into a room, expected to find the relevant people to speak to, expected to kind of exchange contact info in the best way. When, you know, after the event's over, you're expected to kind of follow up in the best way possible. But it's kind of like outdated, really. Like nothing's really changed. So we thought, you know, we kind of analyzed this sort of what it's like to meet people in networking events. It was quite weird, but we went from like, so before you meet that person, when you meet that person and then after you meet that person. And as we kind of like did that and we did a bit of market research, we did a lot of feedback from people, there were pain points at each of those in each of those segments. So there were pain points at, you know, before you meet that person. I've been in networking events where I found it really difficult to meet the people that would benefit, you know, we would have that mutual benefit between us. Um, yeah. And then after the event, when I leave, like for my food business idea, after I leave that event, I find out that there is a sustainability investor there. And I didn't know that at the time, right? Um, It's kind of outdated in that sense, I would say. Sorry, I I kind of interrupted you, Shauna.
0: No, I was just saying, yeah, I hear you. Uh, Networking in person has actually always been tough for me. I'm more introverted and always find myself weirdly trying to insert myself into conversations in a way that's authentic or, you know, there's people who know each other and you kind of just sit back. So just everything that you shared about the the networking experience definitely resonates for me. So you're seeing this problem where the whole experience is outdated and there might be relevant people, super relevant people to your business that you want to meet, but you don't really know how to identify them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was like one of the pain points. And then we kind of like throughout the three segments that I talked about, there was pain points at all of them. And we thought, what's the best way to kind of enter this market to try to innovate the whole space of in-person networking and we thought the best way is to target the middle segment so when you meet that person you have to exchange contact info i saw paper business cards as like massively outdated i saw them as they're obviously massively wasteful as soon as you get given one you just throw it away and they're quite boring as well as a young person but you know that need of having to you know exchange contact info is still there And then from the business side, you know, we've done all this market research from the business side. Obviously, a lot of businesses rely on in-person networks to capture contacts, capture leads. But paper business cards are the only way to kind of capture that. Like, obviously, you have to follow up with them and stuff like that. Find You can find them on LinkedIn, of course. But I just thought there must be a better way for both individuals and businesses to exchange contact info. And so we came out with the contactless business card because it solved that problem of it's really wasteful. And also you can inject more creativity with a contactless business card because with our profile building element, you can have like whatever background you want. You can change your links in a couple months. You can insert widgets so you can like schedule meetings with people then and there rather than having to follow up with them, send an email. and That's then. That's really like interesting. It, it becomes a lot more streamlined. Yeah. It's not just like a business card anymore, but it's a networking tool. And so, yeah, we came up with that and we had a few pre-orders before we came out with it, which was nice. And what was nice about launching this product actually in the middle of a pandemic, because it's an in-person networking tool, is that we knew that we weren't going to get that many sales. But any sale that we did get, it was like even more. It was like double validation for us because it's like now is the wrong time to launch this, but people are still buying it, which means that when it is the right time, our sales will hopefully go up even more and would be at the you know would be able to develop technologies that would be able to capture that market even more if that makes sense.
0: That's such an interesting strategy to me because I don't yeah. think anybody's ever come at me with that like this is totally the wrong time to launch this. So we're just going to do it and we're validated because even though this is the wrong time we're still seeing a lot of interest. Mm. Usually when you're talking to investors you have to explain why this is the right time. Right? Why socially, culturally, whatever's happening in the world, why is this the right time for you to break into the market? So I'm yeah. fascinated. So, talk <laughs> to me a little bit about growth strategy. How did you acquire your first
1: customers? That's a really good question. So, at first, it was just me. So, background about me I'm not a developer, I can't make any technologies. I can just like, I'm the business kind of minded person in the team. And so it was just me at the time. I, you know, found the technology. I did a lot of research behind it. And I was like, let me order some and I can just kind of like experiment with them myself and see how see how they work. So I ordered some and I just kind of like made the profile element of it using third party technology. So I, I found like a, a Linktree, you know, like Linktree, the website. I found like a, a competitor of theirs that would support this more than Linktree would. I'd kind of like see if if I could build something on there with this card. So that's how the card works. Like so the card basically you tap it on someone's phone. You don't need an app as well. So no one needs an app for it to work. It would be re- redirected to a URL. So right now it's redirected to your profile with us. But at the time we didn't have a website. We didn't have like the profile building elements on our site. So I had to use someone else's website. And so I'd basically make my own profile and I would show it on Instagram. Um, i show it to different people. At first, I just put on my Instagram, and I was like, we're not selling them because we're not ready to sell them. But people would message me on Instagram basically begging to buy it. I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of weird. I didn't expect people to buy it, want to buy it straight away. And our first sale was just a random guy on Instagram saying, how much do you want for it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just said a random number, just five pounds, which is like nothing. We charge more than that now, more because like it's our own technology. And he's like, yeah, okay, send me your PayPal. I was like, what? So I sent him my PayPal and he sent it like, straight away. Yeah. I was like, well, I guess like I have to give him something now. So from there, I made a Google form where I basically said, any customer that ordered, I'd give them this Google form and they basically fill out like, what do you want your profile picture to look like? What do you want your first link to look like? What do you want your background to look like? So it's it very, very manual. And then once they fill that out, then I would basically make that profile myself, program the chip and then give it to them, uh, ship it to them. So the first sort of fifteen customers were very very manual. I would make all their profiles for them, in a Google Form. That's why. Uh, yeah, I mean that was a lot of validation though. That's the thing. Is like yeah. when people talk about building software companies, this, like this is kind of how they start because you have to kind of validate them using low tech or like no tech solutions.
0: And I think that's really important for people to hear because a lot of times when they have a big idea the first thing that they're thinking about is how do I build this? I don't have money for a developer. How can I even validate the idea? But just your experience goes to show just tapping into your social networks, the communities that you're already a part of and putting things out there is the best way you can do it. You don't have to have all the bells and whistles to start to get that marketing validation before you Mm -hmm. actually launch. So you got your first customer through Instagram. That's amazing. And how did you start to grow this thing from there? You talked a little bit about TikTok earlier. Tell me about that. Hey there, it's Shauna. I wanted to take a quick break from this amazing episode to remind you that the Startup Renegades is not just a podcast. It's also a community. This community is dedicated to educating and connecting entrepreneurs on all things starting up. There you'll find some great, Founder fireside chats, some free webinars, and even some three day challenges to help you get your marketing and business goals right. You can find us on Facebook at Startup Growth Academy right now. So head on over, it's free to join, and I can't wait to see you there.
1: I saw a lot of success with small brands on TikTok. Like I interviewed someone on my podcast that had a lot of growth on TikTok from you know, just showing his startup journey. So he would basically say, like, today I woke up and I started, you know, shipping orders and all of this stuff. And I was like, I really like, I, as a viewer, love hearing stuff like this. And I am more connected to this brand now just because I can see the person behind it. I can see the journey and I'm invested here. And I thought we could do it with our tool as well because it's very visual, obviously, it's a very visual product. And yeah, we got someone, we got an intern on board we worked with her like me and her I would basically say give me kind of like a structure of like how we can kind of perform this TikTok like so she would say this is the sort of like title of that TikTok and then I'd want mm-hmm. you to give me these sort of scenes like you pro you know you researching manufacturers or you shipping a product or stuff like that and I, I would film it myself and do a voiceover and then we put it on TikTok yeah like our first video, our first like or second video I can't remember, Got like 11k views, which is pretty mental because yeah. I woke up that morning and we had like, I don't know, 20 new followers on Instagram and about 200 new followers on TikTok because we had zero TikTok followers, by the way, at that stage. So yeah, right, it's, tw- when you first got started. it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And also, We had a lot of messages from people saying, hey, I'd love to buy it, but if you build in this feature, I'd love to, you know, I'd buy it from there. So we actually got a lot of really good feedback from there, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's so important.
1: Yeah, massively. The only pushback I would give to TikTok is that for us, I would say for a business card, it might not be the right audience for us. Yeah. And I think that's a very fair pushback because that TikTok video, again, I want to be as honest and open to your audience. That video that we put out there and subsequent videos that were doing very well, We didn't actually get any sales from there, but we got Mm -hmm. a lot of really good feedback and people were very invested in me as an entrepreneur in my journey. But when it came to actually like bottom line, people weren't buying it. And so I thought, you know, that for me kind of proves to some extent that maybe our audience isn't on TikTok. So either we need to change our business a little bit to make it more towards them, or we need to look at different social or marketing channels to find our audience.
0: So many amazing things that you're sharing right now, because the TikTok strategy, I love hearing your experience with that. You saw someone that really resonated with you. And then you kind of modeled that strategy in your business. And I think it's really interesting, because a lot of us, I'm not on TikTok yet, like, I don't know what the hell to do on TikTok. I am not that interesting to watch. So like, (laughs) the whole idea of showing up on TikTok is kind of crazy. So the fact that you were able to take that and make it work in your business and do kind of more of a low-key type of content that's more relatable and less entertainment-focused is really great. And even though you didn't get any sales, getting the feedback on the product is super, super valuable. So what happened next in terms of actually getting sales? What is your business doing right now to grow the bottom line?
1: Mm. We have our plastic card at the moment. We're getting like fairly consistent sales on that front, just from like Facebook ads and stuff like that. We're really waiting for networking events to come more prominent, and then we're going to build in like a affiliate scheme to basically make. Mm. to get that sort of like networking effect going because like this sort of product would be very very well suited for a networking effect
0: do you envision the business doing more in-person networking at events and stuff like that when networking comes back in full swing
1: Mm, yeah for sure i think either like we're looking at collaborations with like event companies and a lot of a lot of events are coming back by the way like i don't know how it's like in your country but there's a lot of events coming back now, which is really good. Like we're very close to collaborating with this one big kind of networking group. And we're kind of seeing that as a very, a good strategy for us because mm. we can get in there. And especially because they're networking groups with you know a lot of business individuals where it would be our target market. So we'd get our product in the hands of these individuals who would hopefully you know work with us in the future with our softwares, with our, our metal card, which is coming out fairly soon, which is, which is a really cool thing. Yeah, actually, the awesome. metal card's are already out. We've already sold a few of them. I'm just used to saying it's going to come out soon, but it's actually already <laughs> out. It's a very soft launch, though. It's not on our site or anything. We've kind of just offered it to a few different people. All right. So that's kind of our strategies. In the future, I'd love to kind of have a different range of products. So say, like, for personal networking, there'll be, like, a different tool for business networking or more, like, freelancers and stuff like that would be a different tool. And then if you want a really custom premium card, it'd be the metal card. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the software comes with that, which in my opinion, the software is kind of where it's going to be for us. Yeah. That's the place that we're really concentrating on with the feedback from the like businesses that we're talking to. And some of them have already bought a card, so they're kind of like experimenting with it and they're expecting more from it, which is good. So hopefully we could use this card as our entryway into becoming a software as a surface company as if anyone's listening, that's kind of where the where the money is because the variable costs are very, very low yeah. on software as a service.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is an amazing story and so much that you've accomplished in such a short amount of time. I'm really inspired by hearing businesses that, have launched during the pandemic really saw kind of how our world is changing and how they can adapt to meet the needs that have arised out of that. So this is amazing. Can you tell me what being a startup renegade means to you?
1: That's a good question. It's
0: my favorite question. In fact,
1: I think it's a combination of being able to see problems and fix them and also manage people I think that's something that I definitely learned is not manage people, that's the wrong words to lead people. Mm. Yeah. I use those words interchangeably, but they're actually very, very different. Yeah. In my opinion. So that's something that I've really learnt within the last sort of few months, especially when we've got more team members on board, whereas before it was kinda of like me and a couple of friends experimenting and, and doing doing you know, trying different things out. But now it's like as we're growing, it's less about that. Well, there's still that, that fun element. There's still that culture there, but it's more about like tapping into people's motivations and seeing why they want to work for us. Why? Like we want to all come and reach that common goal. Right. So I think that's where it is. Like, I think for me, it's about solving problems for your customers, like businesses, individuals, whatever, but also one that's probably like not thought about as much as is, is leading people and actually like satisfying their internal mm-hmm. motivations for where they want to be in life. Because, I feel like a lot of startup founders, it might be a bit of an outdated opinion, but when people come into their company, it's like, you work for me, you work to build this company for me and stuff like that. And it's like, I mean, even if you pay them, I think when you like really tap into their internal motivations, so say if it is, you know, if they want to work more free or if they want to spend more time with family, then, or like if they want to change the world in this way, then you can really like help them tap into that and, and satisfy those, those beliefs and fulfill them that's kind of what I'm learning at the moment. And I think that is the best way to kind of be a startup founder.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sina. Where can everybody find you online?
1: Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. So Sina Sadzado, or you can, if you want to check out our website and it's wingcard.io and you can follow us on Instagram there. If you want, if you want to check out more of like young founders that I talk to, then just type in the millennial entrepreneur on Apple podcast, Spotify, youtube even and um yeah it's all there so you can listen to more of me more of my voice if you want and you can listen to me interviewing some other pretty cool young founders
0: that's amazing thank you so much for being here
1: thank you so much shauna it was an absolute pleasure that
0: was this week's episode of startup renegades Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot a r m i t a g e and just a little reminder if you liked what you heard today be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen it makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive i'll be here same time next tuesday for a raw honest conversation with another startup renegade